Hello and welcome to season three of For the Love of Duluth. My name is Tom Jamison. I'm a former lawyer who moved to Duluth about seven years ago. I moved to Duluth after I bought a business called Lake Superior Medical Equipment, hanging up my lawyer hat after 25 years. Joining me is my co-host, Yvonne Myers, a registered nurse and lifelong Duluthian, and of course, the marketing director for Lake Superior Medical Equipment. So why did we start a podcast called For the Love of Duluth? Because we love our town and the people and places that inhabit it. If you already live in Duluth, we hope this podcast will teach you things you never knew before about the place we call home. If you are planning to visit Duluth, we hope this podcast can act as a tour guide of sorts, giving you an inside look at the best people, places, and things that make up our unique city. Duluth is a star of the show here, and our guests help it shine even brighter. We hope you love this podcast as much as we love the city it is named after. This is season three of For the Love of Duluth. One of the great things about Duluth, without question, is the availability of live music. There's always a band or local artist playing on stage somewhere, whether a dive or a big venue overlooking Lake Superior. There's also no shortage of amazing artists, which makes things even more musically magical. What do so many of these talented artists have in common? Many have stepped on stage at one local coffee house, famous for its acoustic ambiance and love of the community. Located along Central Avenue in Duluth, Wusso's Concert Cafe has become a Duluth staple for those that live to perform and those that live to listen to live music. The cafe has been around since 1999, with a major emphasis on inclusivity since the beginning. It's no wonder artists of all kinds thrive there, musicians, writers, and anyone else with a dream and a creative eye. Famous acts like Charlie Parr, a recent podcast guest, and Trampled by Turtles have taken to this sacred stage. Artists have also recorded live and studio albums in Wusso's, thanks to the addition of a recording studio in the space, making it all the more extraordinary. The venue's namesake is Jason Wusso, a musician himself. The fact that he owns a music venue and coffee house isn't surprising to anyone who knows him. He was given his first guitar by a family member when he was only five. Guitar lessons followed, which turned into creation of not one, but two different bands over the years, one of which garnered a pretty big following and led to the release of an album. After a move to Duluth to attend UMD Jazz in 1995, and three years on tour with his bandmates, Wusso found himself looking for his next move when the band broke up. Don't write a sad song just yet, though. It was this breakup that led to the spot now known as Wusso's Concert Cafe. Formerly Beaner Central, the venue is one of the most popular places in Duluth today, sometimes hosting an event all seven days of the week. It is a place for all ages and a spot for original music to flourish. As if this isn't already music to your ears, Wusso is also big on keeping things Duluth offering beer, wine, and other delicious treats using products from local businesses and farms. Patrons can grab a cup of joe during the day and take in the beautiful sounds of Wusso's Concert Cafe at night, all while supporting the community. It is quintessentially Duluth as a place perfect for conversation, relaxation, and caffeination. This place hits all the right notes. Here to talk about his love for music and the journey to opening Wusso's Concert Cafe is Jason Wusso. Jason, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is really 
really fun. I'm, I'm really glad you could join us. I've uh, I've been a patron of uh, of Wusos back uh, when it was uh, Beaners, and since it's changed its name. And uh, first, I just want to, on behalf of the community, thank you for having this this outlet for live music and also great coffee and, and food. <laughs> in fact, I will tell you that my uh, my fiance Jesse, she used to work in West Duluth, and uh, now she works in Superior, Wisconsin. I was telling you we were going to be on the uh, podcast. She said, well, tell them that the biggest thing she misses about working in West Duluth was being able to go to Wusso's and get a cup of coffee or grab lunch or something like that. She really misses it. Yay. Just so you know. <laughs> so just cool. so you know, you've got a following out there. Let's start a little bit about uh, about upbringing. I know you've got, uh, I know you, uh, someone gave you a guitar when you were five years old, but where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up out on a gravel road, uh, kind of by Alexandria. Oh, okay. If anyone knows Lake Miltona, that's kind of a popular spot these days. Uh, out in the country, around a bunch of lakes, and sure, in western Minnesota. Yeah, eighty acres, and you know, grew up fishing and hunting with my my dad, and you know, taking an hour and a half school bus ride to school. And wow, an hour and a half each way. It was a long way. Yeah, it wow. was way out there. You know, it's like <laughs> holy cow. <laughs> wow, wow. Maybe an hour. I felt like an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, I went to elementary. Sure, the bus driver probably felt like three days. A bunch well, of kids, an hour and a half. Well, oh my God, first, let me out of here. My first day of school in kindergarten, I fell asleep on the bus and they found me sleeping on the bus and I missed kind of half my first day of school because <laughs> it was like, it's such a, I just like fell asleep and they right, right. dropped all the kids off and I, they found me at the bus depot. <laughs> So you um, did you, you you went to grade school and every high school and everything out there? Yeah, I, I went to elementary in a little town called Garfield. It's 200 people. My parents had a little carpet store there. And nice. It was my dad put in carpet. My mom sold carpet, and and then. Uh, so you are the son of entrepreneurs. Yeah, like really sweaty ones. <laughs> 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 Extra sweaty. <laughs> Well, anyway, I always find it interesting what people's background is. And so you went to you you went to um, grade school out there, and then middle school, and then high school as well. Yeah, and then middle school and high school went to Alexandria. It's a kind of a, still a small town between sure. Fargo and St. Sure. Cloud, and sure, but uh, it's, it was the big town of the right, day. Right, you know? yeah. <laughs> the mean kids were there <laughs> with these Coke bottle glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so talk a little bit about getting your first guitar at five years old. I, I was trying to think who gave that to me, and I'll have to double check this, but I think it was my Aunt Mary. It was just like a little toy thing, you know, just like a, a little joke thing. And then I remember going to guitar lessons. I don't remember who the guitar teacher was, but they put the little dots on the guitar, like sure. blue dots for the chord G and green dots for, you know, whatever. It's like C, G, D. And, and I did that for a little bit. And, and then I quit right away. And and then uh, later on, though, it's I, I kind of got back into it. And then I took lessons from uh, a really great guitar teacher, Mel Lamar. He was a jazz guitarist. He unfortunately just passed away this year my parents sent me the obituary and uh, that's sad but he was still playing and, and touring and and up until his death and, and was um, this in alexander that was in a, well that was in a little town osakis but you know, okay yeah, sure but sure yes in the out in the country you know <laughs> 
Um, but how, it, how great was that that out in the middle of the country there was a, a, a really good guitar teacher? Yeah, but then I also went to a, another another guitar teacher um, that kind of gave me a life hack, you know. He kind of gave me the cheat sheets to bar chords where I wouldn't have to learn all the jazz chords. And that was a, probably a bad thing because I was like, oh, you mean I can... Because he had a hit record in the 50s. He was like, oh, you just do this. And he showed me all these little tricks instead of learning the theory. And that's where I have my odd style that I learned from him and it, I just went this makes all the sense I'm just going to do this instead of learning all that other stuff. So so now I'm not a guitar player and uh, we had Charlie Parr on the other day and he was trying to you know talk about um, playing the guitar and so I had to I had to uh, really have him talk slowly because I didn't understand so much of what he's speaking about but what is it that the difference between what you were just describing between the jazz chords you were learning and these these bar chords that this gentleman what was his name jim jim at uh alec music and, oh, okay uh, yeah um i'm forgetting his well that's name okay i thought you said he had a hit record i just thought well, well he, i mean a hit single this right. is in the day of 45 sure it, but to me when i'm like 13 you know and i just want to learn rock and roll songs right, right. i don't want to learn jazz songs i don't want to learn scales i just right. want to learn how to be in a rock band you know right it's, it's right, like, right. Yeah. this guy is yeah. He had a hit record, even though it was way long time ago. But it was also the way he communicated and 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 so many people that teach it, it you have to start at the bottom you know right. it's like you have to like learn, you know it's like wax on wax off you know it's like right. so so you never get to the fun and this he was like why don't we just start with the fun i'm like i like your style i'm gonna right you know which was really fun though because you can still go back and learn later too if you want you know right. learning is just what you want to do but it, it was a cheat sheet i guess it's uh cheating on the test a little bit but right but the like so many songs are one four five they talk about the nashville system that you it's like so many songs have the same format you, you you've maybe heard like youtube videos of like a hundred songs that are the same chords right right maybe right, maybe, right. maybe yes. not but yeah. it's like so it's like wow epiphany all these songs are the same chords and then when i say bar chords or you know that's like two notes it's like you don't even need to do a chord if you just plug in a loud amp and turn it up and punk you know, punk music, they just right. do two two notes. Yeah. You know, just like you skip the chord, just do two notes. And so you're just, saying I could I could play guitar. Well, you can be loud and annoying. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so, well, you know, louder and even more annoying. Yeah. That's what that's well, what, that's where the four four twelve stack, you know, the loud amps and right. you know. But that that was that was the next transition, I guess. You know, just be loud and annoying. So, so now you've now you've learned how to be loud and annoying, and you're playing electric guitar. You've kind of shifted away from jazz. I never got into jazz back then because it was like way over my head, and I wasn't a good student. So I was like, mm, I, I don't get that. I, my you know my friend is learning the Beastie Boys song, and you're learning. The, you know, it's like I don't want to learn classical songs, nylon string. I'm like, I don't, right. it's kind of boring when you're 12, you know? Right. It's like, you want to be loud. Right, right. <laughs> so on this, you're now on your musical journey and it's taking you toward loud. And at some point you you get some buddies together and you you, you form a band. So when when did that first happen? At that time. So 12, 13 years that's, old. Yeah, and that's why I wanted more lessons because uh, I didn't, we didn't really know how to do it. So right. it's like, all right, we I need, 
a little help. <laughs> right, right. And you had, is this band you started when you were in, in middle school? And did that oh, yeah, take yeah. You all the way yeah, to lots school? of these little bands, Mysterious, Tyrant, all these like terrible names. And we'd play country bars and bowling alleys and youth centers and graduation parties, whatever little gig we could get. And we'd learn like whatever dumb song, you know, 50s, 60s, Louie Louie or Wild Thing. But then we try to learn like, you know, like, uh, you know, Slayer, you know, heavy metal songs. Right. And <laughs> but so that's why I like this guitar teacher, because I could bring in this song or I'd go to Guitar Magazine. And they'd have the tablature, you know, tablature is like a cheat sheet to learning guitar without learning the notes because right. it, it's like a number system. Them. But, you know, it's like just trying to like cheat the whole time. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you still learn where the notes are. Right. It, it, they still hit your ear and you eventually figure it out. Right. And and so you're you're going to school and you're obviously you're improving as a musician. And at some point you start, was it in high school that you started a ska band? Yeah, in high school. So and uh, let's talk a little bit because some people listening to the podcast won't know what ska music is. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people don't. Um, ska music, um, my friend Matt Norby, he's around, he's a musician in town. He's really into experimental music now, but way back one year younger than me in high school. And he was like the guy with purple pants, and headphones sitting on the bench by himself like not talking to anyone and we started hanging out and we started playing music but he didn't even play music it's like i think i borrowed him a bass or someone borrowed him a bass and and we started jamming and like he didn't know notes at all either but he was so into music and he, he was into all this music i've never heard of and he was into old ska music which 1960s these old jamaican recordings right. desmond decker toots and the maytels scottalites israelites endless you know trojan records studio one really old like earliest bob marley and uh he's turning me on to all this stuff and and but we were still terrible you know trying to just kind of play in a punk band but it led to this ska music because he kept playing it and and then we wanted to start a ska band and then so we're like well ska bands normally it's like before reggae it's like kind of like reggae but a little more dance music it's like there's calypso there's rock steady there's all these Jamaican style musics, Caribbean music, right, but it's right. happy, upbeat horn sections usually. And so then we wanted to make this band with a horn section with the band we had. And so then we went to, you know, the jazz band and the, you know, the people that know how to play horns, right. you know, cause we, we don't really know how to play music. And we talked in, you know, got, three people from the band to come and jam with us and that kind of led to this band the flux capacitor yeah flux so, ska capacitor yeah, which is and, and i was wondering about that and clearly you kind of know about when that band was formed because you, you knew that the, it was somewhere during the back to the future yeah. movies so that's pretty cool so that was a band that you formed in high school flux cup yeah. is flux flux capacitor we were going to call it flux capacitor just from the movie right. but then there was problems with that you know and we're like well we better call it flux ska Capacitor yeah, because we wanted to make cool. a cd and you know we weren't really good with entertainment law being 17 or whatever. right 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 <laughs> so so you've got this you've got this band and ska i mean not only you're kind of in the middle of the prairie in alexandra but ska is not a, a real popular form of music for 
young people, at least at that point. So how did you how did you wind up gravitating towards Sky? I found that really interesting. Randomly, it kind of was a really popular thing at that moment. So Norby, Matt Norby, my buddy that we played, we lived together for many years and toured and traveled um, and went to high school together, but then moved to Duluth and he still lives in Duluth too. He was into all this stuff, Operation Ivy, which turned out moving into Rancid, some of the members and, and like no doubt started out as a ska band way back. There's this whole third wave ska mu- movement. So right. if, if you go back to the history of ska, it started out in Jamaica, but it went over to England and the specials, English beat, all these 70s, right. they call it second wave. And then it moved over to the U- United States and Moon Records and all these bands like Ska Floss, Pie Tasters, uh, The Toasters. That was what they called the third wave. And then it went on to punk ska punk and all these other you know just kept going and going and going so it had this it did have this big movement and in in at that time at, at the early 90s ska and swing had a big revival in pop culture i remember the swing yep. revival that was yep. and my buddy vaco that i play with now in woodblind he was in the royal crown review at that time right. so he was playing it on the warp tours so there were swing right. bands playing with punk bands and yeah. ska bands in front of skateboarders in front of 15,000 oh, people oh i remember I remember yeah. I remember Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we opened for Royal him once. Crown yep. Review yep. and, and yep. Brian yep. Setzer's orchestra. And yeah, and Vaco played their wedding. Red you know? Nuts, uh, <laughs> Squirrel Nut Zippers. I, yeah. And Vaco toured with Squirrel Nut Zippers as really? well. Really? Yeah. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. It was a whole movement. It was a it was a moment, and we were in that same moment. Yeah, and I didn't realize Ska was also having this uh, rebirth at that it, time. Ska and Swing was so interconnected because of the horn sections because of the rhythm because of the culture and the subculture and i mean it was like it was a dress it was a it was a whole scene in a a moment and also i think it's your age when you're ready to be part of a scene so it's like if you're 18 and you just move out of your parents house and you got a thousand dollar conversion van and a trailer nine people are living in a one little house with three bedrooms and one bathroom it's just like this is what you're doing you're invested in this today right Right. now i don't want to maybe do that right now but It was the best time at the moment. So you had this band, Flex Capacitor, in Alexandria. Yeah. And then had it through high school. And then did you wind up taking that band to the cities? Or what did you, did you just stay we, around We played all the time. I mean, in high school, I missed 40 days of school. My last quarter of, of high school, I was playing, I was playing at First Avenue Main Room in high school. I was You're playing at me. 400 Bar. I was playing at the Fine Line. I was playing at the Red Sea Bar. I was playing Fargo at when you were in high school in high school i would we yeah i had a driver's license i had a conversion van a trailer i borrowed money from my dad for a pa i paid him back we we had a whole setup wow yeah yeah okay so we were playing a lot in high school a lot that's real big rooms like 400 people would show up big venues no i in high school i played in front of a thousand people at first ave opening up for the scottalites wow lloyd brevet roland alfonso the original backup band for bob marley holy cow we were we had a dressing room with rolling rock beer on ice in high school it was like <laughs> super <kidding>. dangerous <laughs> terrible terrible <laughs> 
fun. Terrible fun. Really fun. Oh my goodness. What a life being a, a kid. I feel like I'm reading hearing about George Harrison in Hamburg when he was like 17 years old playing with the Beatles. It was like that. It felt like that. It really did. I mean, that's so cool. You know, we opened up for the Scottalites and they, they used our gear. They were on tour. They're like, we're going to use your drums. And I had a guitar amp that was signed by the guitar player from the Scottalites. I sold it to Stearns, who um, he's in Fearless Marl Inventory and does the sound over at Bent Paddle and does all that oh, stuff. Cool. He has my old amp signed by the Scottalites. <laughs> and uh, how cool yeah, was that? It so, was so cool. It was unbelievable. So those are those used to be my haunts, First Avenue, but even more so like 400 Club and 400 Bar and, but, the, and the Red Sea. Yeah, yeah, Red Sea and gosh, what was that's there? right next. That's the Ethiopian restaurant next door. Yeah, and there was another the one for the 400 Bar, and there was another one that didn't last as long but we played all those yeah. the terminal yeah you, you, all those bars that's all. really so so you were doing you were doing this so so you were living were you living in the cities at that point no, or were you still I, in alexandria <laughs> okay yeah and then moved up here i i bought a house in 95 contract for deed that my dad co-signed and in duluth yeah i bought i still live there i bought a house for forty nine thousand in 1995 i still live there that's amazing and so the whole band moved in and, so we okay so we haven't even talked about your migration <laughs> to Duluth. So, so as I understand it, and you're going to understand a lot better than I do because it's your life. You, Maybe not. <laughs> you, you wound up going to UMD at some point you, for a very little little moment. Right, but you you decided you at that point had you decided that you were going to take a break from the band and and go to college. I think when you're in high school, you just either think I'm going to work at McDonald's or I'm going to go to college. Right. So you just like how do I get out of here i guess right right yeah <laughs> so i'm like well all my friends are going I, well okay so i was in a band before this ska band the drummer which i loved mike clementson he lives in new zealand now and my cousin chris felton they moved to duluth and i wanted to get that old band back together i'm like this ska band's going to be done i want to i have this new idea we're going to do this new band and so i talked them in i bought the house they moved in and then that other band just kept going strong i did start a new band with mike but Mike was also the drummer in in the ska band. So you did leave Flux Capacitor then? We didn't leave. We just, just thought we to were going to die. Because, you know, right. it's like two horn players went here. You know, it's like six people. They all went somewhere. Right, right. But then... And you wound up going to Duluth. Yeah. And why did you pick Duluth? Well, the drummer in the band was one year older. So he was in, in Duluth. Okay. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to go to Duluth, go to jazz. We'll start a new band with this drummer because he's pretty dynamite. And then we did start a new band and it didn't go well. And I thought I was going to try to sing and play bass. It, it was terrible. And it's like I was like using my connections to get gigs. And it was like like one of our first gigs was this giant gig. And it was terrible because I'm not a bass player and I'm not a bass player singer. I'm not Sting, you know, so I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but then also that the old band Flux had a following and people just kept calling us and like play here, play here. So we were like I was trying to, you know, we were playing all the time. Time, you know, on the weekends because everyone went to college. Right. And then we were like, oh, we're going to do two nights in Winnipeg and That's then drive amazing. straight home and literally get into town after driving. You play a bar Saturday night, drive all the way back, going through the borders, all that, pretending you're not <laughs> playing music, you know, borrowing gear, all the stuff you do to. <laughs> oh, that's wild. <laughs> it that's was wild. wild. Well, listen, we've we've got this has gotten really fast. We 
we've got to take a break. And uh, when we take a break, I realize we haven't even we haven't even gotten to Wosos. So uh, so anyway, um, but this has been fascinating, uh, quite a journey. So um, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Lake Superior Medical Equipment, and then we will be right back. Hi, Tom. What are you doing? I'm on hold on the phone trying to talk with someone in customer service. So far, I've just been talking to machines. Oh, hang on, Yvonne. Uh, customer service, please. No, I don't want to listen to the menu again. I just, custo- customer service, please. I No, I just want to talk to a human being. No, a human being. Oh, never mind, Yvonne. I just got disconnected. You know, Tom, there is still one company that thinks it's important for you to talk to a human being when you call for service, Lake Superior Medical Equipment. Really? You mean I won't have to talk to machines? No, their phones are answered by real people who know about the products and services they offer. So I can get answers to my questions right away? Yes, and from knowledgeable and friendly customer service representatives who are committed to answer your questions and promptly get you the right medical equipment and supplies you need. Yeah, but are these customer service representatives just scattered all over the country? No, Tom. Lake Superior Medical Equipment's customer service staff actually work at their locations in Duluth and Cloquet. So they live and work right here in our community? Yes. In fact, Lake Superior Medical Equipment is the only locally owned and independent medical equipment provider in our region. Okay, you've convinced me, Yvonne. When I need medical equipment and supplies, I'm calling Lake Superior Medical Equipment. And you'll be glad you did. Lake Superior Medical Equipment, the area's only locally owned and independent home medical equipment and supply company, staffed by real people who really care. Visit us on our website at lsmedequip.com. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook at For the Love of Duluth Podcast and Lake Superior Medical Equipment. All right. We are back with Jason Wusso. And Jason, when we left off before the break, we were talking about the fact that you, at this point, kind of in the mid-90s, you were back up in Duluth. Uh, you tried, uh, tried a, a jazz band sort of uh, with another friend. And then uh, in the meantime, the, the Flux Capacitor Band sort of got back together, at least on weekends, and you were touring. And that went on for, what, a couple of years? No, like just a little bit. <laughs> oh, okay. Pretty pretty short-lived. And then? That same year, everyone quit college. And all of a sudden, there's nine people living in a three-bedroom, one-bathroom house with one dish per person yeah. and one Ford Festiva, $1,000 <laughs> Econo line, and one trailer. And this this was a house in Duluth? Yeah. And so what what happened? How did how did things break up? And then what did you do next? Well, then everyone moved in and we just, everyone who lived there had to come up with $100 a month to live there. And then we did weird side jobs. I did, unfortunately, probably three years of telemarketing because sure. I could say, I quit today, but I'll be back in a month. You know, so it was like a job I could leave for a 30 right. day tour, but they were so hungry to have me back. And I was like, well, because on our tours, we'd make no money if, if we could even just pay for the tire that fell off the van or, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's like fix the lights but that this, aren't working. This was still flux capacitor. Still flux, way. yeah. So so how long did that did that go on until the band broke up? That went all the way almost before, right up to when I opened the cafe. All right. Yeah. And when that band broke up, ah, uh, multiple reasons. You know, the horn section, we had two horn sections through the years. Um, So two different horn sections. And when the second horn section decided to, one was going to move to East Coast, one was going to move to West Coast. And then, uh, you know, the drummer ended up moving to Australia. It was like, now it's me and Norby. I think we'll just be done. Right. <laughs> it's like, this is 
is a lot to rebuild. And also it was tiring and not a lot of cash in it. Right. And anyone who wants to have a relationship or this or that or have a regular life, you know, it's like I, I had a significant relationship and we're like, we should open a coffee house, which I did. You know, that's that was the catalyst. And also I was like, I'm sick of music. It's never going to work. You know, it's like we just keep doing this, these circles. You know, I was like, you know, it's like I'm going to quit music. That was like my idea at the time. Well, at, at you, that small moment, you, you, you were you were you were incredibly unsuccessful at quitting music. But let's talk about opening the coffee shop, which at that point was called Beaner Central, right? Yeah, yeah. So tell me how how you went from music to opening a coffee shop. Well, I loved coffee even back in high school. I loved the coffee shop that there was a so it's Betty and Becky's. I'm forgetting which one was first, but the person who opened this coffee shop in my hometown was maybe a 23 year old art student that graduated from art school and opened this coffee house and she'd have our band play and I was like I loved coffee it's like like the staff would let me make my own coffee I was just like so excited about it you know I'd go there like two times three times a day and it was always like this dream and and then also since I started playing in bars when I was like 12 you know I was like literally I was like living in bars when I was so young I got sick of bars because everyone's drunk and they're smoking back then right right it was smoky bars and it was late no one was listening they always wanted covers Freebird, all that cliche right, right. stuff so it was like coffee shops were about inspiration and art and including everyone you know i came from a small town so right. it's like anyone who looked a little different had i mean it's amazing what the world has done since then from where i came from it's like <laughs> it's amazing but it's it's um i just wanted more of that and and i just thought coffee shop just includes everyone and it does it's you right. know that's why there's never been a tv at the place it's like it's a place for conversation so that was my goal i was like i'm not gonna do music i'm gonna do music i'm gonna support music and listening room original music that was because i was so sick of the bar scene you know it's like right it's like all everyone gets paid on beer sales instead of ticket sales i didn't even understand ticket sales back then you know we weren't playing theaters so it was always bar shows so it's like that that's what led me to this idea and and then my partner at the time ann which she's still around she's awesome and krieger we started the place and it was cool like all our friends and family helped us build it i always like to know how how you financed it and and uh yeah how you found space and all of that well i was working at jitters which is now dream cloud coffee and then before that it was uh you know a couple other things but jitters my friend gary hodak he hired me he knew i wanted had this dream and i was doing it while i was playing the bands too and and it just led i learned all all, all the basic ideas i had a couple other you know jobs in the in this area and food service and pizza joints and Dave's Pizza and, and J Brew Coffee, all these like weird little jobs along the side. But I worked for Gary for a long time and I worked there and he's still a great friend. And the fact that he hired me knowing I wanted to open my own place was so big because right. every time I'd apply someone, they're like, well, you want to, because I'd be honest, I'm like, I'm going to do this. They're like, well, then you're just going to be my competition. He's like, well, let's do this. And I, I worked there for two years and I worked there a lot every week and I learned so much. And yeah, that that was my education on really how to run a coffee house. And then one of the customers, Kathy, who used to have the old Italian village in West Duluth. Um, I don't, I'm it's, a fairly it's, recent Duluth it, transplant. Yeah, so it's, it's gone now. Um, she was like, she was like a middle owner of multiple owners all through family, but it recently closed. But I, I saw this sign on the bus one time, it, you know, the advertisements on the bus and it said espresso, you know, Italian food. And I went out there and th- she didn't have espresso, but she had 
good Italian stuff, you know, like uh, you know, prosciutto and right. capicola and gorgonzola and I'll, you know, and again, I'm, you know, my tastes are still, I'm like so young, you know, I'm like, this is exciting. This is so different. So, and then she always wanted cappuccinos and she, even though she had the shop, she'd always come in and I'd make her cappuccinos. I kept telling her about what I wanted. And one day she was like, I found you a building. And she found me like this building where I'm still at that was really affordable. And then uh, it worked out. I ended up making a deal where I could rent it for three years with a price to buy it after three. So I could build up some credit and then buy the building, which worked out. So that's how Butch Williams, I bought it from him and I rented for three. And then the bank would finally give me some money and I bought the building and and I've been fixing up this. It was pre-1900s, this building. It's all bluestone and square nails and um, lots of friends, lots of love and support. Uh, my, my, My family, my 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 first partner Anne, who you know her her parents, you know Linda and Warren, her brother, my cousin who's passed away was a, a big uh, music guy. He's a he had a studio. A lot of people helped helped with design, the stage, the sound. Uh, my dad was a you know carpet and tile setter. We did all the carpet and tile work. That's still there actually. That's so cool. Um, this is a very kind of Duluth story because yeah. <laughs> everyone kind of chipped in, friends, family, yeah. everyone chips in. Yeah, if you, you know see you're the... still seeing this now with when we we talk to some of the people who've opened up breweries or Duluth Sire, you know, it's yeah, friends and family kind of get together and they everyone helps out and then the community helps out and it's just, it's kind of a cool thing. But so, so Beaner Central opened and it was, it opened as not only a coffee house, but a music venue to be a music venue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, you know, one of the things that we, uh, when we talk to Charlie Parr, one of the things he always emphasizes in, in Duluth is how many spots there are for live music here. And he mentioned your place, but there is a huge support network for local musicians who can go to a place like Wusso's and, you know, play and perform and hone their skills and get a following. And it's just so, such a great thing that you do for the community. I know it's a passion of I know you love it, but did you kind of sense that that's where it was going? as soon as you opened it or did you are you kind of surprised looking back at what it's become it, it's a mix because I mean I didn't really I, it's what I wanted it is what I I still want it and our first week we started open mic on first Wednesday when we open and that still has been going on for over 23 years our first two acts were the black labels which they're debunked now but my friend Matt Norby from Flux he was in that with some of the best people they they played the first weekend along with the very first show was Father Hennepin if you know Father Hennepin Scott Lunt who started home growing as his birthday party they had a big show that was this big country show that they were going to play and it was cancelled because of weather he called me up on a thursday right when we opened can we play it was like we've only been open like two days and father hennepin plays that's pretty cool thursday night on a rain out day and then you know so it just started whap and then you don't know who's going to be famous you know Haley bonner when she's 17 is at open mic you don't know she's going to be famous right. mason jennings first show you don't know he's going to be famous wow. you don't you mason just don't jennings played. yeah he had yeah, his well, first show there he had his well. birds flying away cd release there he was he's amazing i, I even like hung on 
with him at a show at Bayfront, and he, he he's a sweet guy. He's still like, oh yeah, I yeah. It's like his cool. bass player forgot his bass, and I borrowed him a hundred dollar PV bass to play. <laughs> you know, it's like all these stories you don't know they're gonna be stories because right. you're just doing it. Right, and trample the courses. Well, but like, same yeah. thing. Dave right. Simonette was at open mic, and then he started right. Simple Junction, the cover band of Grateful Dead songs, and he's like, I have this new band, Trampled by Turtles, and it's like bluegrass right. stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah. let's try that. You know, it's like, it's just like you don't know what's happening. You know, you, you don't know Charlie Parr. He's like, you don't know. He's right. he, he's like, I like blues. You know, it's like, you just don't know what people are going to like and who's going to keep doing it because it's, it's, it's about, it's just so much about luck and perseverance. Right, and right. It's like, you just don't. But it's so great that these musicians had a place like, like Beaners, like Wosos to, to go to and, and develop these skills. I mean, it's not, I think musicians in Duluth kind of recognize how special that is, but I think that there's a lot of people who are in other towns and just don't have this type of support for local musicians who want to play original music. Well, Duluth is a special town, and I, I mean, going back to why I wanted to move here, Duluth is a, a very special town that has extra love for art. And right. I think it's the beauty, the nature, the education, you know, it's like there's just something about this town that draws people. But also maybe it's so rural that if if you if you are a little different, you just want something else. And the closest town is Duluth. Right. So, you know, it's like, but the other side of this story is everywhere you go, there's something unbelievable. You can go to Lawrence, Kansas. You can go to, you name, you name a town and there's some really cool there that no one thinks is there that's you can go anywhere you right. go to Nicaragua and you're going to meet someone in the smallest town that's just blowing your mind with their art so it's 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 a it's a global thing it's just it's more of a mindset more than a town I think and Duluth just beautiful places I think draw artists so you know the water it could be certainly it, the water draws uh, yep. breweries but <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true yeah well so well, uh, draws artists so sometimes. we'll we'll, we'll uh, uh, we'll uh, segue here briefly because we're going to wind up running out of time. But we're talking about Duluth, and it's a good, I think, a good segue into the other thing that you're doing right now is your band Woodblind, and uh, and of course uh, one of the songs that's gotten a fair amount of airplay is Zenith City, which is kind of an ode to Duluth. Yeah. So uh, which we really like. But can you talk a little bit about Woodblind and how you formed that? And and uh, people who haven't heard Woodblind are going to hear when they do hear Woodblind. <laughs> well, uh, this goes back to the coffee house and my friend Vaco, we mentioned him. Uh, he was in the Royal Crown Review and that's how, kind of how it happened. And he, how did how did, ex how did did you meet him? His parents were living in Morgan Park and he was international touring bass player for the Royal Crown Review and all these other people, you know, did an album with Bette Midler and Mike Ness's Social Distortion. He's like super, like, you know, <laughs> bow down. Oh, Vaco, yo, I'm yeah. not worthy, yo like Wayne's yeah. World stuff but but I'd always forget you come in and you order a coffee and then we talk about music I'm like oh you're that guy and then right. he'd leave because he'd just come back for like a week to, around Christmas and then it'd be a year later and that's happened year after year after year and then he actually just moved back to Duluth and wanted to take care of his parents and you know take over the house and he's like we should start a band and I didn't believe him and and then you know over the time he just kept 
hey, we should jam, we should jam. And one day we literally, he had his bass in his car. I got off work and we hung out back of the cafe and we started playing music. And it was, it was like, he's a mind reader. Like we're, I think because of, we grew up in that same era, we liked the same music. And it was like immediate that it was just pop. Well, and Woodblind is, is definitely a ska band. And you, you mentioned sort of the, the connections between swing and ska. And I, I guess one, one thing that they have in common is it's really almost impossible to not be in a good mood when you're listening to it, whether it's swing or ska. Yeah. I hear Woodblind. And I, you know, I, I think the first time I ever heard you guys was at the Duluth Does Tom Petty oh, kind yeah. of at Sacred Heart. That was so fun. That was so fun. And I'm trying to remember <laughs> the song you did. You Did you uh, do Last, Last Dance. Dance with yeah. Mary Jane? Yeah, that was, it was fabulous. I said, who the hell are these guys? <laughs> I said, so then, of course, I've seen you repeatedly since then. And it's just always fun. I just always have a smile on my face when I'm watching guys. I mean, you're you're really good, gifted musicians, but this the music itself is just so fun. That's so funny because when we had our first jam up back, you know, Vaco was in these major bands and I was, you know, I don't want to play music anymore, you know, because it's, you know, it's like, what's the point? You know, it's like, but then I, you know, couldn't stop it. I just wanted to have more bands. But through all the ups and downs, when, when we met, it's like, no matter what, we want to have fun. If it's not fun, we don't want to do it. And that, that doesn't always work with a career, with our, also he's here taking care of his parents. I'm here running this cafe. And this is truly one we want it to be fun, but two, it's fun music, and we want we want people to have fun and right. don't take ourselves too seriously right. because it has to be fun or else we really don't want to do it. And we made this like we made two things right off the bat. Okay, let's have a band. It's gonna be ska, even though there's two people, which ska is normally like a whole horn right. section. We're gonna be a ska duo. That was our start. Bass and guitar, which is not a normal ska band, and it's got to be fun. We're not gonna be a normal band that fights and has drama and, and which is kind of worked out because we kind of just like started that way and then we just always said you know 50 50 there's no you know song credit all the stuff all the stuff that wrecks a band money all these all these things you know wrecks bands but who knows they might blow up tomorrow but i hope not (laughs) well we we really try to make it fun you you guys seem like you're having a lot of fun when you're when you're playing it's the most important it's the most important and when i do sound for bands when they're when they're having fun i'm excited right and the fans are excited when a band is up there and they don't think a show is good enough or they don't think the sound is right. good enough and they're being all whiny it's like right. the crowd note everyone knows right. the, like and the music's not good it's like it's it's like it's hard to make that happen all every right. every moment but you have to at least try and it's kind of nice if it, if it's your goal from the start it just becomes easier because it's your mandate it's like right this is what we only have two rules we're gonna play ska music and have fun that, right it makes a i mean it's just it it just helps well i agree well listen i you know whether it's uh running Wusos or playing with Woodblind, you add so much to this community. And that's why we're so happy that you agreed to be on this podcast because uh, we're all about uh, loving Duluth and you're just such a big part of uh, the city. One thing though, because we are called for the love of Duluth, we do like to find out from our guests what they like to do in Duluth when they're not kind of doing whatever it is they do to get them on the podcast. So what, what do you like to do in Duluth when you're not playing music or 
running uh, concert cafe. I'm going to run you out of time because I like to do, I love Duluth so much. I, I don't even mind shoveling snow. I was plowing snow this morning. I love to ski downhill. I love to snowshoe. I love going out to plays. I love the, going out to restaurants. I, I, I love hiking. I love watching the boats come in. I wa- love watching the sunrises <laughs> and the sunsets. I love the snow on the trees and the new blossoms and the first raspberry. I, I mean, it's endless. I mean, I love the seasons. I love the f- clean water. I love the supportive community. Boy, it's endless. I mean, it's truly endless. Well, I tell you what, it's great to hear and we can't uh, disagree with any of those things. Uh, and it's just fun to talk to someone who loves Duluth and who we know in your case, Duluth loves you back. Right? Oh, so, yeah. so thank you so much for, for being here, Jason. We really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. I, I love that you do this. Um, it's a, a unique passion and um, it's like anything, you're, you're building this now, but this is a unique archive and history and time capsule that you're forming and it's uh, out there for perpetuity. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, that could be a little scary, but but uh, but anyway, it's, it's, it's certainly been fun and a labor of love. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Beautiful. Thanks for listening to this episode of For the Love of Duluth. Don't forget to like us on Facebook where we tease upcoming guests, have fun giveaways, and remind you when new episodes drop. And of course, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Just search for For the Love of Duluth. Thanks for listening. We'll see you for our next episode of For the Love of Duluth.